Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, post-draft edition, first of two podcasts, breaking down team-by-team, pick-by-pick. Let's take a look and see how each of the teams fared in the 2019 draft. But first, we got to take a look at some of the narratives. A season ago, we had four quarterbacks taken in the top 10 for the first time ever, five quarterbacks taken in round number one, and again... While this was a defense-heavy draft, the first thing that everyone was talking about was the quarterback position. And Kyler Murray, would he go number one? Wouldn't he go number one? There was a lot of talk, a lot of smoke screens uh, going on right now. But you know, at, at the at the end of the day, it was all about Kyler Murray. It was about the best fit in that Arizona offense and who would be the best uh, suited to lead Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Again, you know, both Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley were disciples of Mike Leach, who ran that air raid offense. And Kyler Murray played for Lincoln Riley at OU. Make perfect made perfect sense. So what do what did the Cardinals do with Josh Rosen? On Friday, they wound up trading him to the Dolphins, which again made perfect sense to me. I ended up predicting that on my final pre-draft uh, podcast when we were talking about my mock draft. Miami just didn't seem like they were in a position to draft a quarterback. So I, I thought this was going to be the, the right fit. Now Josh Rosen can compete with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the starting job. Um, you know, Then obviously the talk was, who are going to be the other two quarterbacks taken in the draft? Were there going to be a total of four quarterbacks? At the end of the day, there were three quarterbacks taken, just as I said. But man... I was not expecting Daniel Jones to be taken number six overall by the the New York Giants. There were a lot of talk about Daniel Jones and the fact that the Giants really liked him, but I couldn't in good conscience put him in my mock draft in the first round. To me, I don't see him as a first rounder. Yes, he has the ties to the Mannings and David Cutcliffe, but the fact of the matter is, is he's a a below 60% completion percentage quarterback, a guy who made a lot of poor decisions out there on the the field. Yes, he had huge games against North Carolina, over 500 yards of total offense, uh, a great game in the bowl game, five touchdown passes, but again, the two interceptions, very poor decision making. Even when you're under pressure, even when you have guys who may not be the best receivers out there, you still have to make the right decision. You have to be able to throw the football away when needed. Have to be able to recognize when when throws aren't there. When he is under pressure, unlike Kyler Murray, he struggles. He struggles to be able to process things. Yes, he can see the field with a clean pocket. But the thing that I worry about is, is, is he going to be a guy who can stand in the pocket, uh, manipulate it when need be, and be able to make the right reads and the right throws? I just don't know that Daniel Jones is going to be that guy. I had... Dwayne Haskins, even though I I knew that the Redskins were talking about uh, Dwayne Haskins, the fact that he's a Maryland kid right around the corner. To me, he and Kyler Murray were neck and neck in terms of the top quarterback in the draft. Now, I know Dwayne Haskins, you'll say, you know what, Dwayne Haskins struggled under pressure. When he was put under pressure, he struggled at times with his accuracy. And yes, you did see that. But again, 4,831 yards uh, through the air, 50 touchdowns, just eight interceptions, completing over 70% of his passes. I was a guy who, from day one, said, let's pump the brakes on the Dwayne Haskins hype. All I saw was a guy throwing you know, the, the crossing routes, hitting guys in stride, and, and letting the receivers do the bulk of the work. And, and I was looking at it saying, is this going to be a guy who can throw more in the route tree than just some of these crossing routes, the underneath throws? You know, Yes, I saw uh, Aaron Rodgers do that against USC when they went 25-25. A lot of dink and dunk, short to intermediate passing game, very efficient. 
But when the time comes, can he air the football out? And that's really what I was waiting for out of Dwayne Haskins. There again, that three-game stretch where the running game was non-existent, you know, barely a hundred yards rushing, and you know, yes, the Purdue game, he lost that game, but you know, against Minnesota and Indiana, he really put that team on on his back, even in that Purdue game. And you know, you can talk about the Penn State game, they won in spite of his play, but when it came down to it, he scored or threw two touchdown passes in the final eight minutes to win that game against Penn State. That was Dwayne Haskins. You know, and that's the thing. When he went up against Michigan, that was his best game to date. And six touchdown passes, zero interceptions against the vaunted Michigan defense, a top five defense in the country, mind you. Don Brown had that unit playing and playing at a high level. And Dwayne Haskins took him apart. So I, I think Washington did a great job getting Dwayne Haskins all the way at 15. They didn't even have to trade. They just sat there and let him come to them. It, it was incredible. And then Denver, you know, we knew John Elway and his infatuation with, with Drew Locke. And he falls to the second round. Are you kidding me? Drew Locke, they were able to pick Drew Locke up in the second round. They didn't even have to do what the Ravens did, trading back into round one to get Lamar Jackson. They were able to sit tight there in round two and still be able to pick up Drew Locke, who could very well be, um, you know, the you know one of the top quarterbacks in this draft. I had him as my number three quarterback. I had Daniel Jones at number six, and you know it's just it's one of those things. When we get to the Giants, we talk about them. Probably not going to be until tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry, until my next podcast. Probably going to be recorded either tomorrow or the next day. But. Uh, you know, the, the Giants, to me, you know, Dave Gettleman will find out in the next three years. He said that, you know, maybe we'll sit him for the next two to three years. If that's the case, Dwayne Haskins, or I'm sorry, uh, Daniel Jones, you know, Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre, but he was also drafted in the 20s. You're taking a guy who's number six overall, and you're telling your fan base, look, this is going to be our quarterback to take the place of Eli Manning, and he could sit for up to three years. You take him in the top 10, those are playmakers, guys who should be out on the field sooner rather than later. You know, should should be out on the field year one, and you're telling your fan base to be patient. I think that welcome, you know, that that's um, you know the honeymoon and everything with, with Dave Gettleman, it's going to wear out very quickly if they're not going to see the return on that investment. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's going to be a huge issue. Now, at the end of the day, we had 18 defensive players, 14 offensive players. So I think there are um, you know more offensive players taken in round number one than I think a lot of people were expecting. Uh, you know, we did have a, a running back taken in, in Josh Jacobs. I thought he was going to go in round two, but I got the team right with the Raiders. Um, you know, all the offensive linemen uh, that were taken, Jonah Williams, I knew he was going to be the number one guy. The question was going to be where where was he going to come off the board? I thought he was a top 10 pick. So Cincinnati getting him at number 11 was a great, great selection. Chris Lindstrom, the best interior lineman, in my opinion, going number 14 to Atlanta. I thought Atlanta needed a, a defensive tackle to, to pair up with. Grady Jarrett, but they must be, you know, happy with Deidre and Sonat to, to at least a degree to uh, then turn all their focus to the offense and really protect Matt Ryan and keep him upright. Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury going to the Vikings. I didn't really have this one penciled in. Um, you know, the really the big question is going to be what are they going to do there? Um, you know, you have a you know a, a situation there at, at guard. You know, you can kick Riley Reef inside, you know, but what it looks like is is either Elfline or Pat Elfline or Bradbury going to kick outside to guard. The other is going to be playing center. Um, you know, the two tight ends, you know, both from Iowa, the first time that you've seen a pair of tight ends taken from the same team, um, you know, and the first time we've ever seen t- uh, two tight ends taken in the top 20 
with Noah Fant going to Denver at number 20 after TJ Hawkinson going number eight to the Lions. And look, I got that one wrong. You know, I, first I was thinking that uh, the Jaguars were going to take TJ, but the fact that Josh uh, Josh Allen just fell into the Jaguars' lap, um, you know, that that you know made perfect sense at, at that point to take Josh Allen, get that pass rusher to pair with uh, Yannick Ngakwe and, and the aging Calais Campbell. Um, but uh, TJ Hawkinson didn't think that was going to go to the Lions just based on the fact that they need another pass rusher. Yes, they got Trey Flowers, but you know, you're, you're losing some of that pass rush help there with, with Ziggy Onsa not on the roster. Um, but uh, took another tight end, the, the second tight end taken in the last five years in the top 10 by the Lions. But uh, the thing with, with TJ Hawkinson is, is he's the most complete uh, linebacker in this year's draft. So, you know, that, that had to make some sense. Um, so as you keep going through some of the other offenses, uh, you know, Marquise Brown and uh, Nikhil Harry, both wide receivers, taken uh, off board in round one. Atlanta trading back into round one. I was expecting this to be uh, a defensive tackle, but no, uh, they go with an offensive tackle and Caleb McGarry. Um, I thought that, you know, that was probably a little, little too soon for Caleb McGarry, in my opinion. You know, I actually thought he was a third round pick, you know, a guy who's definitely a true um, third round, or I'm sorry, a true right tackle. And, you know, it's one of those things to where if he ends up looking like, you know, he reminds me a lot of Rob Havenstein. You know what you're going to get, a big physical guy. And, uh, you know, Rob Havenstein there for the Rams, came out of Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, that makes makes some sense, you know, if, uh, you know, they're really looking to have McGarry uh, compete with Tyson Brylo there at the right tackle position. If, you're, if they're just looking for depth, they could have gotten him probably in the second or third round. Um, I tried to, to get a little off the wall with, with Seattle and their pick. Uh, they traded down to number 29. I was thinking Jalen Ferguson, uh, and ultimately they went with LJ Collier, another guy kind of off the radar, someone who would be a second or third round pick, really a day two guy. Um, you know, only one corner taken off the board uh, and the Giants able to, to get there at number 30 and, and get DeAndre Baker, uh, a guy who I think can pair with, with Janoris Jenkins, 28 straight quarters without a, a touchdown pass against him. You know, the, the last time he gave up a touchdown pass was in the 2016 Liberty Bowl, uh, a lockdown corner, pair him with Janoris Jenkins. Really, uh, I thought that was probably the best pick that the Giants made in round number one. Um, you know, two safeties off the board. I didn't have any coming off the board in round one. Jonathan Abram to the Raiders. Um, you know, I you know they have a couple of starters there, but you know he's someone that I think can fit in there as that third safety. And then Darnell Savage. I had him at one point to the Packers in round two. There's kind of that group of, of guys who can be that hybrid, a guy that uh, you know they they can play all over that. Uh, um, the back end of the defense, you know, uh, Darnell Savage can can be that center fielder. He's a big hitter, can play in the box as an extra linebacker when you need him to. Very versatile guy. So you know, when you look at the the narrative, you know, really, you know, even the offensive offensive lineman Cody Ford falling to round number two. Yet Titus Howard making history there for Alabama State, taken in round number one, uh, number twenty three overall. Uh, so yeah, there there were some surprises, um, you know, but. You know, I, I think when you look at the top ten outside of, of Daniel Jones, you know, I think they got they got it, pr- you know, pretty much spot on. I thought the Raiders taking Cleveland Furl, I had him coming off the board number twenty four overall. Um, you know, to to the Raiders, um, 
Essentially, you know, I'm surprised they took Furl over Josh Allen, the more explosive of the two, 17 sacks, 21 tackles for loss. Cleveland Furl, you know, the more complete of the two possibly, although Josh Allen can drop back into coverage. I think one of the things for Allen is is that he can, you know, that versatility too. If you wanted to go with an odd man front, he's a guy that can play in space, uh, you know, a lot better than I think Furl is uh, or Furl does. So, you know, those I think were the big question marks. And then, you know, Rashawn Gary, Going number twelve overall to the Packers, I thought that was a you know a little uh, bit of a head scratcher. You know, I, I thought as well. So when we get to the Packers, we'll talk about that just a little bit. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the teams. Take a look at what uh, what we had going, uh, and obviously Kyler Murray coming off the board number one overall. We've already talked about what that means. Um, you know, look, you know, Murray is, is a playmaker. You know, there's no doubt about that. When you watch Kyler Murray play, um, you know, it's just, it's special. You know, Lincoln Riley with back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, um, you know, that's um, something that you just don't see. Plus, you know, both of those Heisman Trophy winners going number one overall. You know, Baker Mayfield a season ago and now Kyler Murray. Um, this makes, make just makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, the, the first time that we've seen, um, you know, a, a team take a quarterback in the first round in back-to-back seasons since uh, 1983 with, with John Elway and, and Arch Schlichter uh, there with, uh, with the Colts. But uh, Kyler Murray, first year as a starter, 69% completion percentage, over 4,300 yards, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions, over 1,000 yards on the ground uh, with a 7.2 average and, uh, and 12 touchdowns. You know, this is a guy who can throw the ball deep, um, you know, against Alabama, hitting Charleston Rambo over the top, you know, who beat the safety deep, um, off one leg, moving to his right, threw the ball 55 yards in the air. Uh, you know, you see the baseball skills on display. Yes, he's five foot ten, but uh, you know, to me at the end of the day, Kyler Murray is is gonna be um, you know, their best ticket for success in terms of running that um, that offense that uh, Cliff Kingsbury wants to run. Now, then after you get him in round number one, what's surprising was the fact that they had Byron Murphy fall to them at round number two, uh, you know, number number 33 overall. It's amazing uh, that, that he was able to fall into their laps. You know, you've got Patrick Peterson on one side. Robert Alford was signed as a free agent on the opposite side. But I think Byron Murphy, the most instinctive of the cornerbacks in this year's draft, it could be the fact that he's he's a little undersized. Um, you know, played a played the cornerback position only two years as a starter. Um, so that that also has something as a you know redshirt sophomore, 5'11", 190 pounds, not elite speed, four five five. That also could have uh, teams with some concerns, but I, I think the ball skills are evident. A guy who um, you know finished with twenty total pass breakups, six interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown. Um, you know, I, I thought that that's a great pickup there. Uh, at the top of round number two, and yes, they had other needs, but to have this guy fall into their laps, I thought that was just, um, you know, you, you can't pass that up. Now you look at uh, the receiver position, and, and Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, Larry Legend, uh, I know that's what they call Larry Bird, but it's the same thing, you know, I think if the shoe fits, you know, there in Arizona, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he may be in his his final year with uh, with the Cardinals, signed again uh, for one more season. And uh, look, you know Larry Fitzgerald, thirty five years of age, eleven million dollar contract. Um, you know this could be it. This very well could be it. Um, 
So you have to start looking at, at the future. And, you know, guys that can fit this type of offense, you know, Christian Kirk, obviously he's played with Kyler Murray as freshman at, at Texas A&M. So there is a level of familiarity there. They've already, you know, they've got Chad Williams and, and Kevin White. Kevin White, the disappointment, former first rounder, uh, actually top 10 pick of the Bears, uh, looking to resurrect his career with the Birds. Uh, you know, Farrow Cooper, you know, a, a possible um, special teams guy, but they really need, um, you know, some guys to really round out this receiving core. And I thought they did an excellent job. You know, in round number three, I'm sorry, at the end of round number two, it was it was Andy Isabella uh, out of UMass. Now, this is a guy who has the speed uh, to get, get vertical, but he's also a guy who can play in the slot. I think there's some versatility there with this game. Ran a 4-3-1-40, you know, uh, beat Denzel Ward, in the 100 meters in high school, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, 102 receptions uh, this past season, uh, nearly 1,700 yards, um, 30 touchdowns in his career. I I think he's explosive. I think he's going to be a a weapon there for for Kyler Murray. They're on the outside. You have Marquise Brown there um, at at OU. Now he's going to get Andy Isabella to throw to. Hakeem Butler in the fourth round. This is my number one wideout, by the way, Hakeem Butler. Um, and they're able to land him uh, in the fourth round. First pick of the fourth round, fourth round um, falling all the way to day number three. I was really surprised. I mean, one of the more physical guys after the catch uh, ran a, a four uh, four nine forty. Yes, he does need to work on some of his route running just a little bit, but a guy who can play on the outside, he can be one of the big-bodied slot receivers, over 1,300 yards uh, receiving a season ago, nine touchdowns, 22 yards per reception. And I think, again, I think he fell because the hands are inconsistent, not because he doesn't have large hands. This guy can uh, supposedly palm a helmet, but... I think it's some of those concentration lapses. They work on him with that, and you know they can get that dialed in. I think you've got yourself a, a player. You know, could he be a possession guy? Sure. Can he be a big play guy down the field? Absolutely. Um, and then you know, in the sixth round, beginning of the uh, top of the sixth round, they get Keyshawn Johnson um, out of Fresno State, a guy who. You know, didn't test very well at at, at uh, the combine. You know, I think he's going to be a guy who can you know line up wide. He can play in the slot. Uh, pretty good route runner. Uh, and again, you know, I, I said that the the combine didn't test all that well. Ran a four six forty. Was able to get under that at his pro day there uh, at, at Fresno State with the Bulldogs. But a guy again. Um, you know, I think he can line up in the slot. He can play on the outside, um, you know, and, and a veteran receiver there, you know, breaking all of Devonte Adams records, um, over 200, uh, 275 receptions, uh, over 3,400 yards receiving and, and 24 touchdowns. Now you look at his yard per catch average is 12.6 in his career. I think he's going to be a possession receiving guy. Um, but someone who, you know, has reliable, you know, he's, he's got reliable hands. Um, so that'll be a, a nice pickup there. Now, Arizona running a 3-4. I'm sorry, they're actually, yeah. And, and you know, so you're looking at, at Zach Allen there at the top of, of the third round. And, uh, you know, Allen, it, it, he's going to be playing defensive end, advanced Joseph's 3-4 uh, defense, you know, and, and a guy who's very active. 
You know, I think when they ran, run the uh, a four-man front, especially on the, some of the passing downs, he can kick inside and be effective as a rusher. We saw that there at, at BC. Over 100 tackles uh, in 2017 at the defensive end position. 40 and a half tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, 14 pass breakups. Uh, you know, so a, a guy who definitely knows what to do uh, around when he's around the football. Um, when you look at where he's going to be playing, um, you know, you've got Chandler Jones potentially as a rush end. Um, you know, so Zach Allen could fit in at defensive end, Darius Phylon there at defensive tackle, Corey Peters at the nose, uh, you know, Robert Kimdichi, you know, messed up his knees. So, um, you know, I, I like that pickup in round number five, Deontay Thompson, the safety, you know, you've got Buda Baker at, at, at strong safety. There's DJ Swearinger at the free, um, Deontay Thompson, a guy who can come in play behind Deontay, Tom, uh, DJ Swearinger. And, uh, you know, when we're looking at DJ Swearinger. Uh, looking up his contract now, um, you know, so he's he's a free agent at the end of the season, signed a three-year, thirteen point five million dollar contract. So the really the big question is, you know, can Deontay Thompson develop, uh, you know, into a potential replacement there uh, at season's end? Um, you know, Deontay Thompson, look, you know, he you know one year of starting experience and then decides he's going to come out. I really wanted to see him come back. You, know, you saw him burst onto the scene early on in the season, playing, making a lot of plays over the top, excellent range, and then teams kind of exploited him. You know, I think you know use some of that inexperience against him. You know, still ended up with six pass breakups, two interceptions, three forced fumbles, seventy-eight tackles. Um, you know, but you know a guy who I think is still learning the position just a little bit. So, here's another thing that's interesting: they take Lamont Gilliard, um, you know, also in the sixth round. And when you look at it, Mason Cole is already sitting there occupying that center position. So the question that I have for them is, are they looking to potentially move one of these guys to another position? Um, you know, Mason Cole has some versatility. He can end up lining at, at, at uh, one of the tackles. Um, so that's always a possibility, especially you know when you're looking at, at the safety, or I'm sorry, at the tackle position for Arizona. Um, you know, if I were to pull it up here, I believe, um, yeah, pretty much... Let's see. Yeah, all of the tackles outside of let's see outside of the rookies, pretty much because you got Marcus Gilbert, um, DJ Humphrey, uh, Jeremy Vujnovic. Uh, um, you know, all these guys um, are going to be free agents at the at the end of the season. So I think he, you know Lamont Gillier is definitely going to provide some depth. And, uh, you know, with Mason Cole's versatility, you know, you already have the, the guard starting and, and J.R. Sweezy and, and Justin Pugh, but uh, he's going to provide some depth and I think it end up seeing the field, um, especially if, if they end up moving on from, from one of the tackles and, and they move Mason Cole outside. Joshua Miles from Morgan State, another guy who I think is a developmental pick, has really good length. He's 6'5", 314 pounds. I think he needs to work on some of his footwork. Um, but I think a guy who can be a developmental player. They get Michael Dogba, um, you know, a guy who I think is going to play defensive end there for them uh, at the end of, of round number seven. And look, you know, here's here's a guy who I think you know was a, a nice interior pass rusher for uh, the Temple Owls. Uh, 19 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, including seven as a senior. So you know he showed that he has some ability to get to the quarterback. And then finally, Mr. Irrelevant himself, Caleb Wilson. Um, out of UCLA, 
And the thing with Caleb Wilson, he's got some of that, that uh, you know, that explosiveness as a receiver. 60 receptions, 965 yards, four touchdowns, 16.1 yards per reception. You know, those are all in his junior season. And he got to play in, in the Senior Bowl, and you saw, you know, the you know, the ball security, you know, a costly fumble, not much of a blocker, but I think he's a guy that in Cliff Kingsbury's style of offense, I think what you're going to see there is, you know, having that tight end playing out of the um, out of the slot quite a bit, and I think he can end up being that uh, that versatile weapon for them on the outside. They've got Charles Clay, they've got Ricky Seals Jones, uh, more of the complete tight end. So Caleb Wilson going to be more of a, a bigger wide receiver. Um, so I think they did a really good job getting the weapons there for Kyler Murray. Atlanta, the Falcons. Let's take a look and see what we had here out of Atlanta. Obviously, the first pick uh, was Chris Lindstrom mentioned him. He's penciled in right away at right guard. Um, you know, Jamon Brown um, was also brought in as a free agent. But uh, when I look at it, you know, you've got James Carpenter uh, at left guard, Jake, uh, Jake Matthews at left tackle, Alex Mack at center. Um, you know, Lindstrom has the versatility to play inside and outside, having played. Um, you know, some there at right tackle his junior season, but his home is at right guard. And I think that's going to be the, you know, make the most sense um, at the next level. Uh, a guy who is so athletic, you know, so quick out of his stance, quick to engage, um, excellent hand placement, a natural knee bender. Here's the big thing for him that I think he needs to uh, really focus on. And it's, it's the strength. It's one of those things to where I think he gets overpowered at times at the point of attack, doesn't always um, hold his, uh, hold his water, you know, there, you know, he, he'll end up uh, having guys slip his block and, and make plays. So he's not always able to sustain the block. And I think that's something that you really have to watch out for, for him. Um, you know, Atlanta 13th in, in the, the league and sacks given up with 42, you know, you've got a guy like Matt Ryan, you know, an aging quarterback. Um, you know, that's something that definitely has to be a concern. He's, he's 33 years of age now. Um, you know, looking at that right tackle position, Caleb McGarry, they traded back into round one. I thought this was going to be Cody Ford. Again, another guy who can offer some of that versatility, but Caleb McGarry now, like I said, going to be battling Tyson Brylo, uh, there for the starting right tackle position. Um, then no picks in, in, uh, on day two for Atlanta and, uh, you know, Kendall Sheffield was taken in round number four, uh, the cornerback. They have Isaac, Isaiah Oliver. They have Desmond Trufant. Uh, now, Desmond Trufant, another guy, kind of one of those aging um, corners there for Atlanta. Uh, this is essentially a, a move where Kendall Sheffield could potentially step in as the number three cornerback. You know, I thought there were other corners out there that they could probably go with. Um you know, here here's the deal. You know, Kendall Sheffield definitely one of the faster cornerbacks in the in, um, in you know at the combine really in the draft. Fifteen pass breakups in his career um, over the course of of the last two seasons after he transferred uh, from Alabama. Uh, but you know, the thing that that Kendall Sheffield he's one of those guys. His instincts I thought were were lacking a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think he, you know, he does like to play physical, um, very good in press coverage. I think he struggles a little bit, looks awkward in, in um, in off, off coverage, but, you know, a guy who definitely, I think can make some plays. I just, I worry about him, um, 
you know, at the next level. I thought really he probably his best value would have actually been in probably the fifth round. But, you know, again, a guy who has that straight line speed, a guy who can make a quick break on the football. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't fault Atlanta for taking him in round number uh, round number four. So they wind up towards the end, you know, the 33rd pick in, in round number four. They take John Kaminsky, the defensive end, out of Charleston. And, you know, this was a guy that I really, uh, really enjoyed watching, um, you know, throughout the, the pre-draft process. Didn't get to watch him, obviously, play at, at Charleston, but a guy who just has a high motor, um, you know, a better than, you know, better than average athlete as well. Ran a, a 4.6940 at the combine. You know, you definitely see the effort. That's something that definitely drops, uh, jumps off the page when you watch him play. Um, you know, in, in a senior season, he was the Mountain East Defensive Player of the Year. 67 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles. You know, a guy who I was really expecting him to be taken by a team with a base, uh, you know, a 3-4 base defense. Uh, as it is, he's going to be coming in. Um, you know, Adrian Claiborne is one of the bigger defensive ends. They've got speed and Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley and really, you know, Thomas Dimitrov and, and, and Dan Quinn, they really like the speed off the edge. So having Adrian Claiborne, having John Kaminsky, that gives a little bit of size. Um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see how they incorporate them into that defense. Uh, Kadri Allison is a, a running back taken in the fifth round. Now, now with Kadri Allison, I look at him, I, I see more of a fullback. You already have Devontae Freeman, Ito Smith, uh, Kenyon Barner um, on the roster. And really when you're looking at those guys, you know, Ito Smith is really going to be relied upon to um, replace Tevin Coleman. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure put on Ito Smith. I really liked him coming out of Southern Miss a season ago. Um, you know, With Kadri with Allison, uh, two-time 1,000-yard uh, rusher, uh, shared the backfield with uh, with Dante Hall uh, there in Pittsburgh, uh, and, and still you know just under 200 carries, over 1,200 yards uh, on the ground, 6.3 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns, 50 receptions in his career as well. Um, he'll be able to bring some of that that power that they don't have with any of those other running backs. So he may end up being that uh, that that change of pace, more of that physical guy. You've got Deontay Freeman or Devontae Freeman. You've got uh, Ito Smith, smaller guys. Kenyon Barner's probably going to be utilized, you know, more exclusively in the return game. Um, you know, so Kadri Allison taken in the fifth round. Um, you know, there, there were other running backs that uh, you could have potentially gone with, but um, you know, again, a, a big physical back. I think that really is you know what they were looking for. So, um, one of the bigger uh, and more physical backs, like I said, in in this year's draft. Um, Jordan Miller, the corner out of Washington, um, was taken in, in round number five. Um, let's see, you know, the 34th overall pick in, in the fifth round and, uh, Jordan Miller, 6'1", 186 pounds, ran a 4.4940 at the combine. Um, you know, and really Washington put together a really nice secondary. I mean, they had Jordan Miller, they've got, uh, Byron Murphy, and then we'll be talking about, uh, uh, Taylor Rapp when we talk about the Rams picks, but Jordan Miller, um, you know, the senior 11 pass breakups, six interceptions, decent ball skills. Um, but a, a guy who I think is going to be a, a developmental player needs to be physical. Um, but you know, I think he's, he's pretty good coming down in, in space and, um, you know, decent top end speed and, uh, 
does a good job closing well on the football, you know, but uh, again, I think some of the instincts, um, you know, really want to see some of the ball skills come out of him a little bit more as well. And then finally, Marcus Green taken in round number six, uh, 5'8", 190 pounds, you know, undersized slot receiver, um, but a guy who is explosive, can offer a little bit in the return game as well. Um, and, and, you know, if you're looking at Atlanta, you know, again, there are other receivers that were out there, like Anthony Johnson was not drafted, um, and uh, Antoine Wesley was not drafted. Um, but when you look at a guy like this, you know, over 200 catches, 2,600 yards, uh, 23 touchdowns, uh, 51 carries, uh, 492 yards there. And then as a kick returner, you know, I, I think that's really where the value is going to be four kick return for touchdown all in one season as a junior. And then also had a punt return for touchdown this past season there for ULM. Um, you know, he's, he's 5'8", 190 pounds. So when you're looking at the Atlanta receiving core, what was it that they needed? They already had Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Justin Hardy, what they were looking, well, really lacking was a, a guy like this who has that top speed, a guy who can be a threat uh, pulling away after the catch. He, he has that return game, um, can play well in, in the in the running game as well. You know, really, the biggest thing is going to be ball security for uh, for Marcus Green. I think that's one of the things that uh, kept coming up over and over, um, you know, throughout his career was 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 the fumbles and, and really having to make up for that. And so I, I think if if he can get that tightened up, you know, he'll end up making the roster. Um, but that's that's really going to be the the key right now for him is is whether or not he's going to be able to hold on to the football a, a, a little bit there. So that's Atlanta. We move on to Baltimore. Now Baltimore. What's interesting, you know, you lose. Zadarius Smith, you lose Terrell Suggs, you lose C.J. Mosley. So you're expecting Baltimore to, at some point, address the linebacker position, right? Um, You also expect them to address the receiver position, and they do that. But they don't really address... You know, the inside or outside linebackers. And I think that's really the big question mark that I have for, for Baltimore with their draft. Um, you know, they they brought in Earl Thomas to take care of, you know, losing um, Weddle. Um, you know, so no issues there. But, uh, you know, when, when you have Patrick Wasser, uh, you know, Kenny Young there at, at inside backer, uh, you know, Tim Williams, Matt Judon, you know, at, uh, at the – Outside linebacker, I guess Jalen Ferguson, the sack daddy, um, you know, was picked up in round number two. I'm sorry, in round number three, you know, a, a guy who I was really surprised fell all the way to round three. Um, you know, I, I think he can make an imp- immediate impact as a pass rusher. Absolutely coming off the edge. Excellent um, hand usage, 6'5", 255 pounds, 45 sacks. Ended up breaking, ironically enough, Terrell Suggs' record uh, there in college. 67 and a half pa- uh, tackles for loss. So he knows how to um, you know, play behind the line of scrimmage. And uh, a guy, you know, if you give him a head of steam, you know, there's a, uh, you know, some, some videos. If you watch him play, 
Um, you know, they're, they're, you see the highlights over and over, just the, the explosive, the power in his hands, very violent, and uh, just throws guys all over the place, um, runs through people, you know, uh, uh, very advanced hands, and also good recognition with, with being able to get after the quarterback. Um, a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I think he's a guy who can make, a, make an impact there. Um, Marquise Brown, taken in the first round. Um, no doubt this guy is explosive. I have him as my number four wide receiver in the draft. And really the big reason why I have him at number four more than anything else is just the simple fact that, you know, I, I worry about this guy. I worry about uh, that foot, that Liz Frank surgery and what that's going to do for him. Um, you know, that's really the, the biggest thing more than anything else is uh, can he stay healthy? Because his game is all about speed. I would have loved to seen him run at the Combine, would have been curious to see um, just how he would have fared against everybody else. Um, you know, really, um, what what really would have happened? You know, that, that's really the, the big question. You know, could he have challenged, uh, you know, John Ross's 4-2-2 record? Uh, but the Liz Frank injury, he's all about speed. He's all about separation. He's all about, you know, going the distance. And, you know, that Liz Frank injury uh, or, the, you know, that surgery in his foot, if, if that's going to be a lingering inch issue, his game is all about speed. And that's really the reason why I had him falling into round number two. I was expecting teams to really shy away from that. But, you know, it turns out they really weren't. He's 5'9", 166 pounds. He can get shoved all over the place. But you know, when he's healthy, he can accelerate away from guys. And uh, he was a, a top uh, top receiving option. He and C.D. Lamb there for Kyler Murray. Uh, C.D. will be a receiver who could potentially you know be taken in round number one in next year's draft. Um, you know, over 2,400 yards receiving, 17 touchdowns in his two seasons with the Sooners. Uh, he comes off the board, number 25 overall for the Ravens. Then in round number three, they get uh, Miles Boykin, you know, a guy who I think is an underrated receiver, a big play guy. Um, you know, he, he measured in a 6'4", 220 pounds at the combine, ended up, you know, showing he was, I mean, he was a workout warrior, you know, which is so... Um, so explosive, uh, 4'4", 43.5-inch vertical leap, uh, 6'7", 7", 3-cone drill, um, which was you know one of the top three uh, among the receivers. You know, and that's at 6'4", and 220 pounds. A guy who, when you watched him play, you know, you weren't expecting. You know, I, I I certainly wasn't. You know, to see that type of speed. I know that he's a good leaper, a guy who can be a downfield threat. Um, a guy who surprisingly can separate a little bit more and really wasn't utilized a ton there at Notre Dame until the senior season. Had that breakout, five, uh, 59 catches, 872 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, to me, I, I think Miles Boykin, you plug him in there. You know, we, we didn't really talk about the receiver position. You, know, you lost uh, a lot there when you when you got rid of uh, you know. Michael Crabtree, John John Brown. Um, so Willie Snead was the only receiver with over 50 receptions. You had Chris Moore. I had 19. Jaleel Scott spent time on on IR. Um, so you bring in Marquise Brown and, and Miles Boykin. They have a chance, along with Willie Snead, to be the starting receivers. And then when you add in uh, you know, Mark Andrews as as a tight end, you know, receiving threat. Mark Ingram there as as a runner. You know, that's going to really make things interesting for. Uh, Lamar Jackson and, and you know the other guy that you have to kind of factor in there is the guy that they picked up in round number four the 11th pick in round four you get Justice Hill 5'10 198 pounds this is a guy who ran a 4440 at the combine and, and look you know the thing that really is a head scratcher for me with Justice Hill was 
his production and his play his junior season. You know, this was a guy back-to-back, 1,000-yard seasons, including 1,467 yards as a, as a sophomore with 15 touchdowns, 31 receptions on the year as well. And then, you know, you see the, you know, he's averaging over 200 carries in his first two seasons, drops it to 158, you know, 930 yards, misses out on a, another 1,000-yard season, nine touchdowns, just 13 receptions. And I don't know if it was just the fact that he was injured because he did miss some time, uh, also missed the bowl game as well, but you missed some time due to an injury. So you, know, you wonder if that had a, had something to do with it. You know, Chuba Hubbard, was he really that good? Um, you know, of a guy for, you know, him to take away so much of the playing time with Justice Hill. I don't know that that's the case. Justice Hill, to me, is one of the more explosive players in this draft at the running back position. You know, a guy who can make those lateral cuts, you know, make cuts, you know, the field without losing any speed. You know, the lateral agility is is off the charts with this guy. Um, you know, I thought he was quicker than he was fast, but he proved me wrong with a 4-4-40 at the combine as well. You know, you put him in as a change of pace back for Mark Ingram and really going to be a threat out of the backfield. I, I anticipate seeing quite a few wheel routes to him from Lamar Jackson, um, you know, going forward. Now, we talked about Marcus uh, Marquise Brown from OU uh, being selected. He wasn't the only Sooner to be taken by the Ravens. Also in round number four, Ben Powers taken. And when you look at this offensive line, you know, you've got Ronnie Stanley and, and Orlando Brown at the tackles. Orlando Brown, another Sooner. Uh, Alex uh, Lewis, Marshall Yanda uh, there at, at the guards, and then Matt Skura at center. When I look at Ben Powers, I, I look at, at uh, Marshall Yanda, and maybe this is his eventual replacement. You know, I, I think you know one of the things that you see with with Ben Powers. I thought he was he was really solid. Um, you know, not really a guy who excelled in any one area, but was just a solid, solid player. Uh, you know, Marshall Yanda signed through twenty twenty one, or sorry, through the twenty twenty season. Um, you know, very uh, experienced. You know, is Ben Powers. Um, you know, a guy who has pretty good balance, pretty good technique, climbs well to the second level. Not the best athlete in the world. But, uh, you know, a, a guy who I think can ultimately, you know, come in, be good, a, a good depth player. But, uh, you know, Alex Lewis is also going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So I think Ben Powers could potentially be a starter uh, for Baltimore on either side. Um, you know, and really his uh, he played left left guard for the Sooners. And so there's a chance that he could end up filling in and taking over for for Alex Lewis when it's all said and done. So then they take the, the, the first Trojan off the board uh, on the defensive side of the ball in round number four, and that's Iman Marshall, 6'1", 207 pounds. The uh, cornerback, I just I don't know if he's going to end up playing corner. You know, this is a guy, excellent length uh, at the corner position, 36 pass breakups in his career and six interceptions. Uh, although he didn't have a, uh, an interception in either of his final two seasons with the Trojans, but uh, also never had a, a season with fewer than eight pass breakups. You know, a, a guy who I, I think does a pretty good job, um, you know, especially using the sideline to his advantage, really pinning a receiver up uh, against the sideline. But you know, someone who I, I think really needs to work on, um, you know, trusting his feet. And and running with the receiver, he likes to to grab a lot, um, you know. But uh, you know, and he has just average top end speed. So when a guy's coming by him, he's going to reach out and grab uh, quite a bit. But he's he's aggressive, um, very you know good tackler and run support. Had five and a half tackles for loss in his senior season. Um, very tight in his hips. 
and I think that's going to be an issue there for him. Um, but he he does have some good hands, really good ball skills. I think he's going to be a safety at the next level. I'm looking at, you know, uh, you've got Tony Jefferson, you've got Earl, Earl Thomas there at the safety position, no depth behind him. I think Iman Marshall could end up being that third safety there uh, for Baltimore, um, you know, and someone who I think could develop into a pretty decent player for them. Um, you know, uh, again, with the, you know, if you can showcase those ball skills, Tony Jefferson won't be a free agent until uh, the end of the 2020 season. But I think, you know, Iman Marshall is going to need some of that development anyway. Round number five, Dalen Mack. Now, look, Dalen Mack is a, is a nose tackle, low center of gravity, 6'1", 326 pounds, really good initial quickness off the ball and just a, a load to block. I mean, we saw that at the Senior Bowl. You know, just a guy that, you know, guys were struggling to to square him up. Guys, you know, just really getting walked back into the backfield. Um, you know, I, I think he's somebody who can be very disruptive into the backfield. Um, Ten tackles for loss, you know, a senior season. Five and a half sacks. Showed that he could really start getting into the backfield. A guy, you know, you worry about some of the, um, you know, some of his conditioning. I think a guy that wore down at times. But uh, I think he'd be a good backup for Brandon Williams at the nose tackle position. Um, I think that'd be a nice, nice fit there. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know, when you look at Brandon Williams, he's under contract through 2021. But again, this is going to be a nice, uh, nice piece there as a um, a developmental. You know, really not even developmental, but I think he's going to be a good. Um, oh, a, a good depth piece there, if nothing else. And then in round number six, Trace McSorley, the quarterback taken, um, you know, in in round number six, undersized, six foot, 202 pounds, you know, a guy who made plays all over the field. He reminds you a lot of Lamar Jackson when you watch him play. Um, You know, Robert Griffin III's on the roster. Then you have Trace McSorley. I thought Trace McSorley really struggled with his accuracy more than anything else. Um, Some of his decision-making was questionable at times. Um, so that's one of the things that I look at with Trace McSorley. I was looking at him, didn't really know that he was going to be a guy that, um, that was going to get drafted when it was all said and done. And the reason being is just the fact that he did struggle so much with some of his accuracy, a career 59.3% completion percentage passer, um, you know, in, as a junior, he completed 66.5% of his passes, but then regressed considerably a senior season with just a 53.2%. Um, you know, 77 touchdowns, but uh, 25 interceptions, uh, you know, nearly 9,900 yards uh, passing, um, you know, over 1,600 yards on the ground. Um, you know, a guy who also, when you're looking at, when you talk about his 40 time, ran a 4, 5, 7, 40. You know, a guy who refused, I shouldn't say refused, but he, he declined to work out as a defensive back, uh, you know, position that he played there in, in college. But I look at, you know, you know, the Julian Edelman comparison, I think, is probably a little unfair at this point, but definitely a, a good athlete. And I don't know that his future at the NFL is going to be at the quarterback position. If you can get him on the field, be one of those slash type guys, Antoine Randall L, someone that you know you can get out there and, and make some plays in a variety of ways, then maybe you have something. Buffalo, the Bills. You know, there were a lot of a lot of areas of need there for, for Buffalo. But uh you know, the first pick that they had on the board at number nine, Ed Oliver falls to them. I had Ed Oliver penciled in for the Bills in my final mock draft. And then ultimately I looked at the Raiders. There's a lot of talk that they were 
looking outside the box a little bit with their picks. So I was trying to predict where they were going to go. I thought that they were going to go Ed Oliver, get that that interior rusher and a guy that can be disruptive uh, along the interior and then go with the pass rusher later. Uh, I was wrong. And so Ed Oliver ultimately coming in. And I think Ed Oliver is going to start right away um, in place of, of Kyle Williams, a guy who was just so, so explosive off the football. You know, you, you talk about his, his lack of size. You know, he, yes, he, you know, he is over 280 pounds. Is he going to be playing a little bit lighter? You know, it's always that possibility, but to me, you know, I look at Ed Oliver, you can't argue with, you know, the explosiveness, the first step quickness, 53 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, 11 pass breakups, five forced fumbles. Uh, you know, and he also was, was productive as a, as a tackler, 192 tackles. Everyone wants to get on him about, you know, missing eight, uh, missing four games with his knee injury, but he hadn't missed, uh, a game prior to that. And really, you know, was in on most of the, um, most of the season, it was it was him uh, out there making plays. He wanted to be out on the field and, and get as much action on the defensive side of the ball more than anything else. I thought that was a steal um, for them there uh, at number nine. Beginning of round number two, you know, I, you know, you're looking at at this offensive line. You've got Deion Dawkins at left tackle. Um, you could potentially move him over to the right side, but you know, with Ty Nishki and and Landry and Waddle, you know, they're to me, I, I think they're more depth guys, but you know because they were brought in. Maybe you know you you look at a guard. You know you've got Quentin Spain, Wyatt Teller, Spencer Long in it at the guard position. Vladimir Gudukas as well. Uh, they already picked up Mitch Morse to to play the center. I think they got better um, this offseason with a lot of the guys that they picked up. Quentin Spain from from Tennessee as well. Uh, Cody Ford can play either tackle or guard. I think his versatility is really going to help. Um, you know, the question is going to be: Is is Ty Nishki going to uh, show what he did in Washington as a as a part time starter? Can he be a full time starter? Um, where's Cor- uh, Cody Ford going to play? I think Cody Ford is going to be an instant starter, uh, and he's going to bring in uh, some of that nastiness. He's going to change the um you know that culture if you will up front you know plays with you know with a mean streak very nasty player nasty demeanor and uh you know he's someone i think is going to be a lot of fun to watch they need to protect josh allen and i think they've they've done a good job upgrading the positions uh up front uh to do that so devin singletary taken in round number three now singletary is quicker than fast you know a lot of the lateral quickness you know you see there you know, it really makes you wonder what's going to happen in the future of LaShawn McCoy because, you know, they have Frank Gore that came in. He's more of the veteran presence, but they also signed TJ Yeldon and now Devin Singletary brought in as well. Um, so you really wonder, is Shady McCoy, you know, are they really the handwriting on the wall? Are his days numbered there in Buffalo? Um, you know, because I think Devin Singletary, you know, had a chance to go in round two, but I'm not surprised that he was around, uh, you know, a third round pick. Um, you know, and, and look, you know, Shady McCoy... Um, you know, he's, he's a free agent at the end of the season. So this might be an insurance policy in the event he decides to leave. Um, you know, it'll be interesting throughout the season to see exactly what happens with, uh, with McCoy, but for Devin Singletary, three straight thousand yard seasons under Lane Kiffin, um, including, you know, as a sophomore over 1900 yards on the ground, 32 touchdowns that year, um, 66 touchdowns in his career, over 4,200 yards for the Owls, 51, uh, receptions as well. 5'9", 200 pounds, um, and really what you saw at the combine, you know, really, you know, strengthens the argument that he's quicker than he is fast. 
um, because you know he, he was one of the slower guys in in terms of of the forty, just running a a four six six. But the lateral quickness is evident. You see the ankle flexion with his cuts. I mean, they're ridiculous. You're putting his foot in the ground and and um, you know hitting the hole in a hurry. But you know, I, I look at these these first four picks. You know, Oliver Ford, Singletary, and then Dawson Knox at the en- end of round number three. Another great pick. You know, they 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 get Dawson Knox. You know, to me was a top five tight end in in this this draft class. Ran a four five eight forty at his pro day. 6'4", 254 pounds. Um, didn't really play. You know, see the ball thrown his way a whole lot. Um, there in in uh, at, at Ole Miss, but you know it's almost to be expected. Um, you know, when, when they run that offense, when you've got all those receivers that they're throwing the ball to Tyler Croft was bought, brought in to replace, uh, Charles Clay, but really no depth behind him. I think Dawson Knox is going to be a vertical threat, a guy up the seam that, uh, Josh Allen, you know, probably going to be a favorite target of his. Uh, they also took uh, Tommy Sweeney there in round number seven, uh, Tommy Sweeney, more of a, a blocking guy who has decent hands. He's going to be competing with Jason Kroom to be the number three tight end on the roster. I think he's going to end up getting the nod. Round number five, uh, Vasan Joseph, um, you know, a guy who you know, was an inside-outside backer there. Um, you know, you've got Tremaine Edmonds, you've got Lorenzo Alexander, and Matt Milano as the starters, but they really lack some depth. You know, and Vasan Joseph made plays for the Gators. Um, you know, I thought, you know, again. A guy who made you know 6'1", 226 pounds, a little on the um, undersized side, um, 14 tackles for loss, four sacks, uh, seven pass breakups. A guy who I thought um, decent lateral quickness, um, you know, playing around the the line of line of scrimmage. It's the speed, does a good job uh, playing through traffic, uh, shoots gaps very well. Um, but a guy who, you know, it, it seemed like, you know, his tackling, that was really the biggest question mark. A lot of guys were slipping a lot of his tackles, um, but a guy who I, I think is going to provide some nice depth there uh, at the linebacker position. Round number six, they get Jaquan uh, Johnson, the safety out of Miami. Um, you already have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer as as your starting safeties. You've got Mo Alexander uh, there and, and, you know, Raphael Bush, Saran Neal. Uh, I think Jaquan Johnson can come in here and possibly end up, you know, he'll compete with, uh, with Mo Alexander as the number three safety there for, for the bills. Now Jaquan Johnson, you know, uh, you know, eight interceptions, seven pass breakups, six forced fumbles in his career. A guy who just knows how to get to the football. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's somebody who's who's a bit undersized, um, but I, I think he plays plays well along the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, pretty good in, in zone coverage as well. Um, you know, just average speed and, and some stiffness in his hips, so that makes him you know exposed at times. He ran a four six nine forty at the combine, so he'll get exposed in man coverage, but uses those instincts. Um, you know, when he's playing in the zone to to make some plays on the football, and then Daryl Johnson Jr. Uh, out of North Carolina A and T in the seventh round, the really an outside linebacker, kind of an undersized guy, very lanky. Um, but a, a guy who was very explosive, really put everything together his junior season, came out a year early, and you know, I was hoping that he would come back for one more season. Um, you know, because you know, I look at him and uh you know, he's gonna be a developmental guy. I think six six, two hundred and fifty-three pounds, a guy who, you know, struggles to anchor, uh setting the edge. He's really gonna be a situational pass rusher more than anything else, because he does uh have that ability to bend coming off the edge. Um, but 
he's somebody who I think really could have improved his draft stock had he come back for his senior season. Carolina, the Panthers, 7-9 and nine a season ago, finished third in the NFC South, sitting there at number 16. I thought they were going to go Brian Burns, and they do go Brian Burns. You know, when you lose a guy like uh, first, you know, future first ballot Hall of Famer, um, you know, Julius Peppers, who finished third in uh, in sacks in his career. You know, this was a guy that they actually drafted in 2002. That was the last time, by the way, the Carolina Panthers took a defensive end. So, um, you know, Brian Burns definitely has uh, has something to live up to. But when you look at it, you're talking about 40% of the team's sacks came from two players. Julius Peppers with his five, Mario Addison with his nine. Um, you know, and you know, they had 35, 35 sacks, which was good for 27th in the league. Um, you know, and with, with Julius Peppers, a 17-year career, he leaves. You bring in Bruce Irvin. Um, you know, he was just signed to a one-year deal. So at the end of the day, you may or may not be able to bring back both Addison and Irvin. Uh, Brian Burns, to me, is is one of the better edge rushers in the draft. Came to to Florida just over 200 pounds, or Florida State just over 200 pounds, leaving at 250. Uh, I'm sorry, 249, and still ran a 45340. Uh, very athletic, advanced with his hand usage. You're going to see a variety of pass rush moves coming off the edge, able to bend very well. The biggest concern that you have is is whether or not he can set the edge against the run. Um, but I think this is a great pick for Carolina. And, um, you know, I'm glad that he ended up coming off the board there at number 16, not only because I I picked that to happen, but I I think, you know, he's going to be a guy who can end up making an impact um, for Carolina. And and really, when you're looking at the position over time, um, he's going to be somebody who um, is going to be playing there in Carolina for a long time. Now, the tackle position was also an area of need. And uh, at one point, I did have a tackle penciled in here. But Taylor Moten really playing that left tackle position well. Uh, Daryl uh, Williams uh, coming off of that knee injury. He was brought back. But they're going to need some help there at the, at the tackle position. And Greg Little uh, you know, played left tackle there at Ole Miss. But he showed in, in some of the um, individual workouts. Teams asked him to play the right side. And uh, so, you know, he's a very athletic guy, um, very inconsistent at times with uh, some of his hand placement, you know, and, you know, able to get blown back off the ball. But a natural knee bender, excellent length, just looks like a a tackle. And, uh, you know, you lose Matt Khalil, and I think this is going to be a guy who has the has the skills to be a starting left tackle in the league, you know. And really, the question is going to be, you know, what you know if they bring in Greg Greg Little, you know, what does that do to to Taylor Moten? Does he move to the right side? You know, are they anticipating you know, Daryl Williams potentially struggling due to injury? Does Taylor Moten he has some of that versatility? Maybe they kick him inside to guard ultimately and have Greg Little take over at left tackle. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. We know that Cam Newton's been having issues with his shoulder. So ultimately, you know, bringing in a quarterback there, you know, with, with Cam, uh, you bring in a guy like Will Greer. And Will Greer, to me, he's my number four. That's right, number four quarterback. Um, he was off the board in round number three. 
you know, again, you know, I was really surprised that that happened. But when you look at him, he plays very well under pressure. 76.2 adjusted completion percentage, according to Pro Football Focus. In two seasons at West Virginia, threw over 7,300 yards, 71 touchdowns, just 20 interceptions on 65.7% passing. Uh, Pro Football Focus also noted that he was the best against the Blitz, throwing 22 touchdowns to zero interceptions, and finished fifth with the best uh fifth in, in the, the deep passing grade. So to me, when I look at Will Greer, he, he has a guy, you know, he, he has that moxie that he plays with, some of that fire. And, uh, you know, Carolina, you know, when you're looking at Cam Newton and his overall health, you know, if Cam Newton doesn't get down and, and you know, he continues to take those hits, um, you know, then Carolina may have something there with uh, Will Greer uh, as, as the backup, a guy who could potentially, you know, take over for Cam Newton if, uh, those shoulder injuries uh, persist. I'm a big fan of Will Greer's and, uh, you know, falling all the way to round number three, I think is a steal. Christian Miller, outside linebacker there for Alabama, you know, very in- instinctive pass rusher. Um, you know, what's going to be interesting is, is, you know, is he going to be end up playing, taking over Thomas Davis's spot there at, at the Will linebacker? Um you know, he was a guy that was really an outside linebacker, an edge rusher for Alabama, 6'3", 247, um, 35 and, and one-eighth inch arms. Um, pretty explosive, can bend off the edge. And, uh, you know, a guy to me, I, I think this is good value, being able to pick up Christian Miller in round number four. That's really where I had him coming off the board. Um, you know, I, I think... There were some some people that had him penciled in as a day two pick. I just I didn't didn't see enough there. Um, really, a guy who had played in just fourteen games coming into a senior season, where he played in fourteen games for Bama. Um, you know, eleven tackles for loss, eight sacks. I think a, a guy who he, he's someone who can get to the quarterback, but what else can he do? You know, can he can he also uh, you know play against the run? You know, I think a lot of what you saw there with Bama was that you bring him in and he was that that edge rusher, but then on the running downs you didn't see Christian Miller in there all the time. I think you know he he struggles to to set the edge against the run at times. So that's going to be an interesting one for me uh, to see where he you know how he does and where he progresses. Um, Jordan Scarlett, um, the junior running back, was taken in. Round number five. Now, Jordan Scarlett, to me, you know, I, I think he lost some playing time to uh, Michael P. Ryan, and that's why he's coming out. Um, you know, 776 yards on the ground and just 131 carries. Uh, look, he had 344 total carries in his three years there at, at Florida. So, you know, not a whole lot of wear on the tires. Um, so I think, you know, you're, you're all right there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously is is your guy there at at the running back position. Cameron Artis Payne, more of a more physical guy. So Jordan Jordan Scarlett, um, you know, wasn't much of a factor there in the in the passing game um, for the Gators. Um, kind of a curious pick here in round number five. I think he's got pretty good speed. Um, you know, has you know plays pretty well with with a you know runs with a low pad level. Um, not really a you know like I said, not really a pass catcher. Uh, struggles in pass protection, so I think he's going to be someone who probably going to end up being their third running back, but uh, someone who's going to really have to work hard um, to make the team. Dennis Daly, taken in round number six, uh, 6'5", 317 yards, I'm sorry, 317 pounds, 
Um, may have to move inside to guard though. You know, someone who I don't think has ideal foot speed there for the for the tackle position. Um, ran a 5-2-3-40, just 33 and 3 8 inch arms as well. So that lack of ideal length is something that's definitely a concern. Um, when you look at the guards, you know, again, you have that left guard um, position, you know, starting, you know, uh, Greg Van Roten is, is the starter right there. Taylor Hearn behind him. Um, they could use uh, an upgrade there and can use some depth at the position as well. And, um, you know, I think that possibly could be where uh, Dennis Daly could be competing for a roster spot um, when it's all said and done. Um, Terry Godwin taken in the seventh round. I thought this was a really good pick. 5'11", 184 pounds. A guy who's not all that explosive, but he's very smooth, a savvy route runner. When you look at this receiving core, You've got DJ Moore as as the unquestioned uh, go-to guy. Chris Hogan was brought in in free agency from the uh, the Patriots. Torrey Smith is your vertical threat. Jarius Wright, another savvy route runner. Curtis Samuel, uh, a guy who can play in the slot. You know, can get vertical as well. So Terry Godwin has a chance. He's really going to be fighting with Jarius Wright and Curtis Samuel for that number five uh, wide receiver spot. Uh, you know, really fourth and fifth wide receiver spots, I should say, probably going to be fighting with with Curtis Samuel for the fifth spot. If they look for a sixth wide receiver, um, then I think his his job is kind of secure. Uh, this is a guy who I think does a pretty good job plucking the ball out of the air, uh, attacks the ball very well. Um, you know, don't look at the stats, you know, so much. Georgia, you know, had that two-headed monster running the football and and uh, DeAndre Swift and um, Elijah Holyfield. So you're not going to see. Uh, him, you know, w- w- in terms of the stats, um, you know, also having to share the the receiving core with with guys like Nicole um, Hardman and, and Riley Ridley, and then Isaac Nada as a tight end. Um, but a guy who I think can be a better pro than he, w- you know, in terms of production than he was uh, at the collegiate level. Chicago didn't have a first round pick, didn't have a second round pick. Uh, so really their first pickup was in, in round number three. And uh, I, I think they got one of the better running backs in the draft. This is my number two running back, and that's David Montgomery out of Iowa, uh, Iowa State. Uh, Montgomery is is a guy to me, another guy who's quicker than fast, ran a 4.6340 at the combine. And, um, you know, what I see at, a, at David Montgomery is excellent vision, uh, the lateral agility, and then the contact balance, you know, over a hundred missed tackles and, you know, broken tackles, um, you know, for, for Montgomery in 2017, according to pro football focus, that was a record since they've been keeping track of the stats, uh, back-to-back thousand yard seasons for the Cyclones, um, you know, 26 touchdowns in his career, 71 receptions, decent receiver out of the backfield, not very dynamic, but a guy who has decent hands, um, you know, I think really his biggest thing that he's going to have to work on is is in pass protection. But when you talk about his lateral quickness, um, his, his ability to set you up, you know, and, and I think he's so explosive laterally in such a short area that he can make multiple people miss um, in, in a short period of time. Um, you know, I, I think he's another guy. You know, doesn't really lose speed um, when he's making those cuts, and you know, just can be very elusive. And then, you know, again with that contact balance. He runs through contact very well, um, low center of gravity, keeps that pad level low when he's in and out of his cuts. He stays down in his stance, and uh, uh, you know he's one of those guys, to me, 
uh, quicker than he is fast, but a guy who I, I think when you look at the Bears and you're talking about, you know, they traded away uh, Jordan Howard. So who's going to be the guy there at running back? They brought in Mike Davis from Seattle, but I wouldn't be surprised if David Montgomery, you know, if, if he's not the starter. Yes, you have to read Cohen as well, but I think David Montgomery is going to be a guy who's really going to be able to add some of that power as a runner. In round number four, Riley Ridley, we just mentioned him. Um, as, as another receiver, you know, they have Allen Robinson, they have Taylor Gabriel, Cordero Patterson was brought in from the Patriots, you know, as, as one of those explosive guys there on the outside. Anthony Miller is an excellent slot receiver. Uh, Javon Wims, a guy on the outside. And then Riley Ridley. You know, Ridley, not the most explosive guy. You know, when you look at, at uh, his time at the Combine, ran a 4.58. Um, you know, not the most explosive guy either, just a 30 and a half inch vertical leap. But look, you know, we, we kind of beat his brother up a little bit because he wasn't the most, you know, ran a, a faster 40 time than, his, than, than Riley did. But uh, a guy who I thought, um, you know, when you looked at Calvin's you know, broad jump and his vertical jump, you know, you're really worried about some of his explosiveness and he's proven people wrong. Um, I think what Riley does bring to the table is he's a savvy route runner, catches the ball in, well in traffic. Um Excellent body control, but he's not really a big play guy. When you look at Riley Ridley and his stats and really what he did, um, not a guy who who made a ton of catches down the football field. Most of his stuff, you know, he was really, you know, he's going to be a possession receiver at the next level. And that's really, you know, if the Bears, when you're looking at it, um, you know, just a 14.7 yard per catch average in his career with uh with the Bulldogs but when you're looking at these guys you know Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, uh Cordero Patterson and um you know those are guys that you know, are going to be more explosive. Anthony Miller, a guy that's going to play in the slot, another explosive guy. Uh Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, the two Bulldogs on the roster, they may be competing for that final receiver position if they're only keeping five on the roster and they're both guys who could be possession receivers. So that's really what his competition's going to be right now. Uh, in round number five, they take Duke Shelley, a corner out of Kansas State. Uh, another undersized guy, 5'9", 180 pounds. Um, you know, a guy who has picked off uh, eight passes um, in in the last three seasons for uh, Bill Snyder's group there at, at K-State. And uh, Duke Shelley, you know, he was a veteran corner. Um, just played in seven games uh, this past season. But, uh, you know, a, a guy, excellent ball skills. Uh, I mentioned the eight, eight interceptions in the last three seasons, but also 31 pass breakups. So an undersized guy, but somebody who I think could potentially see the field as a nickel. Um, you know, you look at the the corners, Kyle Fuller, uh, Prince of Mukamara, um, but then after that, you know, Sherrick McManus, Buster Scrine, uh, Kevin Tolliver. I think, you know, Duke Shelley has a chance to make the roster just based on the fact that he has uh, the excellent ball skills. But I mentioned that, you know, he... Only played in seven season, uh, seven games this season. He's coming off season-ending toe surgery, um, so he's going to have to make sure that he's healthy, um, you know, come the beginning of the season. Kareth White Jr., you know, was proved that he was not uh, that Devin Singletary was not the only running back there at Florida Atlantic. Uh, the more explosive of the two backs, you know, five ten, two hundred pounds, um, this past season. Really saw an uptick in his production, 134 carries, 866 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, pretty pretty good in the open field, uh, can make you miss. Uh, good cutback ability, 
Um, not really a guy that you're going to see in the in, in the passing game and really lack some of the size for, for the pass protection. Um, when you're talking about the running back position, I think you know it, it's loaded there. You've got you know Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery now, uh, Smoke Mizell, um, you know out of uh, Virginia from a season ago, uh, Ryan Nall. Uh, I think Kareth White's really going to struggle to to find a roster spot there in Chicago. And then finally, the last guy, uh, Stephen Denmark out of Aldosta State, 6'3", 212 yards, a developmental guy. You know, excellent size and speed, but uh, he's converted from wide receiver, um, you know, two defensive back in 2018. So a guy who's probably going to see time on uh, the practice squad for right now. Uh, let him continue to develop, but a guy who I think could end up, you know, in a couple of years potentially making an impact. It's just really going to see how he can translate his game um, at the next level. And when you look at at Chicago, um, you know, and I'm looking at their roster, you know, I think they probably could have gone with another uh, another end up front. Um, Kind of missed out there a little bit. And then, um, you know, offensive line, um, you know, they, they went heavy there last year. Um, you know, James Daniels, a guy who's going to be a starter. Um, you know, so I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Chicago did pretty well with with limited draft picks. They had just five, um, you know, on, on, the, on the year. But uh, they, they got some guys, you know, especially with Montgomery, um, you know, Shelley and potentially Ridley did a decent job with, with addressing some of their needs. Um, you know, really this draft, it's going to come down to what uh, David Montgomery can do. If he's going to be a top flight uh, running back for them, then obviously this draft's going to look that much better for them, maximizing what they had. Now, Cincinnati... Zach Taylor in his first year as the head coach of the Bengals. And look, you know, I, I thought they did an excellent job here, um, you know, looking at at things from a need perspective. Um, I think they, they hit, you know, drove it home in a lot of categories. First off is the offensive tackle position. Bobby Hart, one of the, uh, you know, really struggled at, the, at that tackle position. And, you know, looking at the right tackle, you know, Jonah Williams has the versatility to play uh, both tackle positions. So, you know, he, he played at right tackle. Um, and then when Cam Robinson moved on to the league, he moved over to the left side. Um, you know, Dalton, you know, Andy Dalton is, is the quarterback there. So, um, you know, a guy who's coming off of season-ending surgery there with his thumb, um, you got to keep him upright. So you, you have to make sure that you're addressing that offensive line position. Um, you know, I, I think Zach Taylor really wants that O-line to be more physical uh, than the group displayed a season ago. Uh, the Rams O-line really dominated the point of attack. Zach Tom, or Zach Taylor was uh, Sean McVay's quarterback coach with the Rams. You know, he saw what that ha- what happened there. Jonah Williams is a technician, knee, excellent knee bender. A guy, you know, look, you look at him, he reminds me a lot of Joe Thomas. You know, 32-and-a-half-inch arms for Joe Thomas, uh, and he just gave up 11 sacks in his entire career with, you know, well over 1,000 snaps um, you know, at the, at the position. In fact, let me see, what, what do I have here? I've got, I've got all of his numbers. Um, uh, well, I guess actually I don't, but, you know, another guy who plays well with angles, you know, really understands that. And, uh, you know, I think it was 13,000 snaps and gave up just 11 sacks, something, something ridiculous like that. And, and you look at, at Jonah, Jonah Williams, I think he has that same type of potential. 
And here's where things got kind of weird. They took Drew Sample in round number two. Now, there are a lot of more complete tight ends in the draft. Um, you know, they missed out on, you know, Jay Sternberger and, and um, you know, Dawson Knox, um, you know, Kahale Waring. They take Drew Sample. Wasn't even in my top ten at the tight end position. Really more of a blocking guy. You know, I think he has decent hands. Um, you know, they brought back Tyler Eifert, who was struggling with injuries. They have C.J. Uzumu, who they also re-signed. Drew Sample is ultimately going to be the third tight end, and it's really interesting that you would take a tight end like that, um, you know, who's ultimately you know probably going to be your number three tight end. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people really, um, re- you know, really liked Drew Sample, but you know, with the year when you had such a depth at the tight end position, I thought that there were other guys on the board that they could have gone with. Now, in round number three, getting Jermaine Pratt, I thought that was an excellent move. I'm looking at Jermaine Pratt, and I think he can end up being the will taking over for Jordan Evans. I think he's going to end up competing with Evans. I think he's going to end up beating him out. You know, Jermaine Pratt is a converted tight end, um, really bulked up for the position, and uh, you know, 6'2", 240 pounds now. Um, you know, a guy who you know a season ago really filled in well as a as a reserve linebacker, got some starting experience as well. But uh, as a senior, was a senior leader, 104 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, six sacks. You know, a guy who, you know, when they asked him and called upon, he was called upon to step up and make plays. I thought he really did that. You know, one of my favorite players at the linebacker position. I look at Jermaine Pratt. He ran a 4.5740 at the combine. You know, a, a guy who, again, I think he's going to end up being their starter at the will position. Ryan Finley taken in the fourth round, the quarterback out of NC State. Uh, and I, I think this is a guy who, you know, if, if Zach Taylor is looking for his quarterback and, and looking for a guy who is ultimately going to be, you know, a, a potential successor for Andy Dalton, um, you know, I look at Ryan Finley and, you know, I, I think you know, he doesn't have the, the same type of arm as, as, uh, uh, Jared Goff, but I think, you know, underrated athlete. And, uh, you know, there are some some skills, you know, the skill set there. I think the eye discipline, you know, being able to freeze the safety, um, you know, does a really good job there. You know, the ball placement and um, the the anticipation with which he throws reminds you a lot of Jared Goff. Um, you look at him, you know, he he transferred to Boise State after two, two seasons, uh, three-year starter there at NC State. Ultimately threw for over 10,000 yards for the Wolfpack, 60 touchdowns, 25 interceptions. You know, really, you know, this past season, you know, had an uptick in the in the total number of interceptions. Um, but a, a guy for me, you know, doesn't have ideal arm strength. But you know, at 6'4", 213 pounds, uh, you know, a guy who has enough arm strength can you know enough pocket presence to manipulate the pocket. Not going to be a statue behind there. Um, to me, I've got him as my number five quarterback and, uh, a guy who, depending on what happens with Andy Dalton, some of that development from Zach Taylor, we could be talking about Ryan Finley ultimately overtaking him as a starter when it's all said and done. Now, Rennell Wren taken in round number four, I thought he could have been taken even higher than that. You know, this is a guy who I thought was playing, uh, you know, really out, out of position there for, for Arizona, uh, Arizona state. I think he can end up being a, 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 a five technique in a three man front Can also play inside. Um, you know, when you have uh, four down linemen, I'm looking at Rennell Wren and, um, you know, he could, 
You know, you, you've got Jordan Willis and Carlos Dunlap at the ends, Geno Atkins, Andrew Billings um, at, at the tackle position. But I think Rennell Wren, 6'5", 318 pounds, he's going to end up pushing Andrew Billings for that starting spot there at the nose tackle position. You know, he's going to be a guy who, you know, if he can keep that pad level down, I think that's really his biggest thing. That pad level tends to creep up a little bit. Uh, but if he can keep that pad level down, be a little bit more explosive, you know, I think he, that... Uh, you know, they could potentially have a player and a steal on their hands. Michael Jordan um, played center and guard for Ohio State. I think he's, ultimately he's going to be playing at guard. And I'm looking at Alex Redman at right guard. I think Michael Jordan has the potential to come in and challenge Alex Redman for that starting position. So when you're talking about this offensive line, getting a little bit more physical, you know, I think he's a guy who's, you know, another guy whose pad level tends to rise a little bit, 6'6", 312 pounds, but very versatile, you know, Plays uh, when he plays with good leverage. When he keeps that pad level low, he can be very dominant, especially in the running game. Um, when you've got you know Cordy Glenn, Clinton Bowling, um, you know Billy Price, Michael Jordan, Jonah Williams. You know, I think that you know, they've improved up front. Um, I think that was a really nice get in uh, at the end of round number four, getting Michael Jordan and a guy who I think can end up starting for them when it's all said and done. Running back took two of them. One on one in the fifth round, one in the sixth round, you know, and so, you know, that really makes you wonder what's going to happen. You know, you've got Joe Mixon uh, as the as the unquestioned starter, but really the question is, is Gio Bernard. What's going to happen with Giovanni Bernard? Um, I think he's a guy who's really struggled with injuries uh, at times and. You know, what's ultimately going to happen there? He's a, a, a free agent at the end of the season. And uh, so what do you do? You bring in a guy like Travion Williams. And I think this is a guy I just couldn't figure out why nobody was talking about this guy, um, you know, leading up to, you know, a lot of the pre-draft, uh, you know, festivities, I guess, if you will. You know, over 1,700 yards on the ground this past season, 18 touchdowns, 66 receptions in his career. A guy, another guy who has the vision to see the cutback lane, his ability to put his foot in the ground, um, will run away from you. And uh, the other thing, too, is the contact balance. A guy who just, you know, he... Defenders just bounce off of him, keeps those legs moving, and you know once he gets into the open field, can make you miss a little bit. Ran a four five one forty at the combine, but you know very quick acceleration, five eight two oh six. You know not the biggest running back, but uh, a guy who is fun to watch. You know he's again didn't have to make a ton of people miss because that offensive line, especially when he was following Eric McCoy, didn't have to do a whole lot there, but. Uh, definitely someone who is is very explosive, um, and then in the sixth round taking Rodney Anderson, who was Joe Mixon's teammate there at OU, a guy who really had it not been for the lat, you know, his, his ability, inability to stay on the field, you know, a guy who broke his leg, um, you know, just after a couple of games freshman year, broke his neck as a as a sophomore. And then all of a sudden, his junior season, that's really when his name, everybody really paid attention to him. Um, or I'm sorry, his sophomore season, I should say, um, because it was his redshirt freshman season that uh, he, he broke his neck. But, uh, you know, 13 games, played in all 13 there in, in 2017. Um over a thousand yards, eleven hundred and sixty-one to be exact. Thirteen touchdowns, uh, also seventeen receptions, and and five touchdowns. Sixteen point five yards per reception, uh, and 
he was a guy, you know, 150 yards, uh, both on the ground and as a receiver against Kansas State. And, uh, you know, starting out in 2018, in, in those two games, 11 carries, 119 yards, three touchdowns. OU's offense looked different with this guy, you know, carrying the football. You know, 6'1", 220 pounds is kind of an upright running style. And uh, just, he was so explosive. And it was one of those things, you know, you look at the knee injury, you know, he tore his ACL and it didn't really look like anything all that serious when he went down, but ultimately, you know, was out for the season yet again, three out of his four years there at OU, um, you know, were, were basically marred by injury. If he can stay healthy. And I think, you know, the sixth round, that's probably the right place to, to take a chance, but a guy who, if he can, if he can stay healthy and it's a big, if then you potentially have a good, a nice player on your hands and he could end up being a steal. Deshaun Davis, 5'11", 234 pounds, very instinctive. You know, this is your, your classic overachiever, uh, a, a guy who, you know, lacks the ideal size, you know, not, not the biggest guy by any means, um, ran a 4'7", 740 at his pro day, so not the fastest guy in the world, but this was the guy who, you know, he was playing, you know, ran the alley very well. You know, somebody who was playing behind a dominant defensive line and knew where to go to, to get the football. You know, and that was really the biggest thing more than anything else. You know, I think, you know, that, that lack of size, you can get overwhelmed at the point of attack, but uh, you allow him to play in space a little bit, and he can make plays. Um, you know, flies around to the football, um, you know, over 100 tackles uh, a season ago, 112 to be exact, 15 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks in his career, six pass breakups in his career as well uh, for the Tigers. And, you know, a lot of that was predicated by, you know, the, that – that uh, that line up front, but that allowed him to fly around to the football. You know, the biggest thing is is he's going to be backing up, uh, you know, a guy by the name of, of Preston Brown, you know, who was re-signed, and uh, he's going to compete with Hardy Nickerson Jr. for the backup job. Preston Brown is a two-down linebacker. Deshaun Davis is going to have to prove that he can be a guy that can play uh, all three downs. You know, if he can't do that, then he may not find a roster spot. And then finally in the seventh round, they get a cornerback in Jordan Brown, uh, six foot, 201 pounds, um, you know, a tall guy, um, you know, not the best length and uh, not a fast guy, but, you know, ball skills uh, for days. You know, I, I think he's somebody, when you look at this, this cornerback group, you, you've got Drake Kirkpatrick, you know, William Jackson Jr. I'm sorry, William Jackson III, B.W. Uh, Webb was brought in to play the, the nickelback. Uh, Dark West Denar was brought back for one one more season. Be interesting to see what happens there. Darius Phillips is on the roster as well. Jordan Brown's really going to have to work hard to uh, ultimately get a roster spot here. Um, again, that that length is going to concern you a little bit, but um, you know, ultimately decent straight line speed. Um, Brown ran ended up running a four five one forty at the combine, thirty nine and a half inch vertical leap. Um, can go up and attack the ball while it's in the air. But again, I think he's going to struggle to ultimately get a roster spot with this team. He'll ultimately, if he finds a roster spot, it just, I, I don't think it'll be in Cincinnati. Which brings us to the Cleveland Browns. John Dorsey, I thought, you know, really knocked everything out of the park a season ago. Um, you know, drafting Baker Mayfield number one overall. Didn't have a first round pick. You know, uh, they was traded away to the Giants in the Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, trade. 
And you look at this, you know, their their selections this year, kind of up and down in terms of uh, of their overall selections. You know, they're in round number two, having Greedy Williams fall to them. You know, who would have thought that that would have happened? A guy, you know, 19 pass breakups in his career. Um, you know, I had him penciled in as my number three cornerback. I think really the biggest thing for Greedy is, um, you know, he's he's a, a tremendous athlete. You know, ran a four three three forty at the combine. Excellent makeup speed. You know, a, a guy who I think is very confident. Really relies on that speed a little bit too much. I thought there were a lot of throws in front of him that uh, you know really I think he was relying on the speed, thinking that he can close that gap and, uh, and reach in and make a play. And he's got to watch that. He's really going to have to. Um, you know, shore that up at the next level just a little bit. But uh, Denzel Ward on one side. Right now there's Terrence Mitchell uh, Mitchell at the right cornerback position. I think Greedy Williams has a chance to secure that starting spot, but he's going to have to show that he can tackle. A willing tackler, not a guy who's going to give you that Olay stuff or, or somebody who just doesn't really want to come up and be physical. He's going to have to do that. Otherwise, you better be a lockdown corner don't allow anything thrown in front of you. Don't allow anything over the top. You know, a guy who's going to be making plays all over the field, and I just don't know that he, he's going to be able to do that uh, right out of the gate. So he's going to have to show that he can be a willing tackler. Now, Sione Takitaki, one of my, my favorite names in the draft, to be sure, uh, taken on, on the second day, round number three. Um, this was a guy who was a defensive end at BYU, ultimately moved to, to outside linebacker, and... Um, I'm looking at, at some depth here at the position. You know, you've got Jannard Avery, Christian uh, Kirksey there at, at uh, uh, outside linebacker, Joe Schobert there manning the middle. You're definitely going to provide some some decent depth at the position. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too. When you're looking at the linebackers, you're talking about them. Um, you know, Kirksey is a guy who – where is he at? Trying to follow or look everything up here. So Christian Kirksey, he's under contract through through 2011. I'm sorry, 20, 2021. Uh, you know, Jannard Avery through through 2022. Uh, Joe Schobert uh, going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Um, so I think he's going to be a good de- a good depth player. But uh, you know, more than anything else, um, I think he'll probably you'll see a rotation there up front a little bit. Um, but you know, he's. It, He's going to be a guy who, you know, more of a developmental guy, I think, uh, in some respects, just based on the fact that he, he's still relatively new to that linebacker position um, after playing defensive end. You know, yes, he was a linebacker in his first two seasons. Didn't really make a, a ton of it uh, of an impact. Did have 11 uh, tackles for loss and, and six and a half sacks. Played out of position uh, in 2017. Still managed 79 tackles, uh, 12 and a half uh, tackles for loss, five sacks. Put it all together though as a senior there uh, at outside linebacker. 111 tackles, uh, 10 for loss, four sacks, uh, three pass breakups as well. Um, I, I look at him. And Mac Wilson, uh, who was signed in the fifth round, you know, another guy, it's going to be interesting to see what these guys end up doing there, um, what the Browns are looking at. You know, the Browns did give up 78 uh, rushes uh, over 10 plus yards on, on the ground. You know, that's going to be a huge concern. Uh, I think Taki Taki can, can get to the quarterback a little bit. You know, again, there's going to be some, some, uh, 
some competition at the linebacker position based on the fact that he's, you know, he's going to be somebody who can get into the backfield and make plays. So he's going to force these other guys, especially, you know, Kirksey and, and Avery to uh, make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Mac Wilson, a guy who, you know, was very intelligent. I thought he showed good range in coverage, can come downhill, um, you know, and shoot gaps. You know, he does get blocked, um, you know, quite a bit. And so, you know, I think that's really the, the bigger, you know, the big issue more than anything else. And he's a guy that, look, he, he wasn't, he was more of a special teams ace than anything else for Alabama. Didn't really see the field as a full-time starter until his junior season. So um, you put him there on the roster, you put him behind Joe Schobert, um, you know, and again, another guy who's going to show some, you know, show, uh, you know, really compete. And, uh, you know, Joe Schobert to me really had an uh, awesome year last year Jannard Avery showing some some potential to get after the quarterback you bring in Olivier Vernon at defensive end Sheldon Richardson at defensive tackle they've really upgraded um you know along that front seven um you know in round number five they brought in Austin Seibert out of uh OU kind of a surprising pick there um you know a guy who you know handled kickoff duties for OU was also the punter does a little bit of everything you know he was all-time leading scorer there for OU uh, their, their kicker right now, Greg Joseph, you know, I think Austin Cyber can come in there and if nothing else, compete with him um, for the starting spot. Uh, Drew Forbes is a developmental guy at offensive tackle, Southwest, Southeast Missouri State, 6'5", 303, um, not the not ideal size, um, but a guy who I think has has some potential to, to be a developmental player there up front. When you're talking about that offensive tackle position, Greg Robinson um, and Chris Hubbard, but, uh, you know, I think Drew Forbes probably going to be more of a Joel, Joel Batonio or Austin Corbett type, probably kick inside to guard because of that lack of ideal size. And then finally in the seventh round, Donnie Lewis out of Tulane, uh, six foot, 190 pounds. This is a guy who, you know, I, I think he, he, he is a little slight and does get pushed around a little bit, but a guy who I, I, I think, you know, was a nice pickup there in, in round number seven and uh, a guy who I think is going to stick on this roster, uh, 37 pass breakups, including 26 in, in the final two, uh, two years, seven interceptions, including one that he returned for a touchdown, uh, seven and a half tackles for loss as well. So he's a willing tackler. Look, I, I think Donnie Lewis, you know, he's going to be competing, um, you know, for probably that final cornerback spot. But a guy who I think you look at Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell, uh, T.J. Carey, and Greedy Williams definitely are going to be the 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 top four corners on the roster. And I think Donnie Lewis, because of those ball skills, has a chance to make the roster. And uh, I think he's one of the more um, you know, under the radar type guys. And, uh, you know, again, a, a guy who I think is going to see uh, a little bit of playing time because of those ball skills. So moving from Cleveland to Dallas and the Cowboys, again, another team that was without a first round pick. They used that first rounder to, to get Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, they, they get that receiver and I'm looking at, at, at Dallas and I was expecting them to go safety, you know, to, you know, find a strong safety to play next to Xavier Woods. And, uh, you know, you had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson sitting out there. And instead they go with Tristan Hill up front, um, you know, with the 26th pick in the second round. Uh, Tristan Hill, look, uh, you know, really good athlete, you know, very, 
you know, very, very quick 50440 at the combine. Also pretty explosive, 35-inch vertical leap. Um, moves very well, you know, very fluid, moving laterally. Um, and he's not a, a guy who's going to be a plug-and-play type of a guy, but someone in Rob Marinelli's defense who I think is going to uh, be a someone who can work his way into the rotation. Um, you have Antoine Woods at, at, at the nose tackle, Malik Collins, Tyrone Crawford as well. Um, but I think Tristan Hill is, is going to be a nice rotational piece there um, up front. Uh, Connor McGovern at guard in, in the third round, a guy who has some versatility to play both center and guard. You know, you, know, you, you have Travis Frederick, and you, you know he had his time um, away from the game. Connor Williams struggled a little bit at left guard, potentially seeing Connor Williams, who has experience at tackle, potentially moving outside um, to, you know, to replace Lyle Collins. Um, but I think Connor McGovern, you know, because of that, that's going to add some depth there along the interior of that offensive line. And really the question is, is, is Travis Frederick and his health, you know, is that a concern? Is it, or is it concerning enough with Connor Williams, um, you know, a season to go with his up and down play, you know, what's going to happen there? You know, I, I think Connor McGovern has a chance, um, to find a starting spot, you know, when it's all said and done. Uh, now, Tony Pollard was taken in round number four. And Tony Pollard was a guy who ultimately tied for um, the FBS record in um, uh, kick returns for touchdown. And we had um, seven in his career, including four as a sophomore. Kind of surprising that he came out after his uh, his junior season, just you know, uh, 941 yards as a as a ball carrier, um, but really you know was was used a lot as a wide receiver. Um, you know, with over, you know, hundred receptions, over 1200 yards, nine touchdowns as a receiver. Um, and I think he's going to be one of those change of pace type of backs. Um, you know, Darius Jackson right now penciled in as the backup for Ezekiel Elliott, but Tony Pollard is going to be someone who's going to be utilized more than likely in the passing game. Then you get a guy like Mike Weber in, in round number seven, more of that power back, you know, 5'11", 211 pounds, um, a, a guy who I think has a decent burst. Um, you know, he lost a starting job to, um, JK Dobbins, um, but, you know, still continued to work, ran a four, four, seven at the, at the combine 22 reps at two twenty five in the bench press. Um, so he's, a, a has pretty good, uh, strength to go with, with, uh, some good speed. But like I said, you know, he, he's, he was someone to me, I, he, he was someone that it was really difficult to, uh, to figure out. Loses his starting job, but still, you know, winds up with with 954 yards as a junior and five uh, five touchdowns, uh, 54 receptions in his career. So he has decent hands. Um, you know, doesn't really create a, lot, a whole lot of yards on his own. Doesn't really have that lateral quickness. But a guy who I think is going to, you know, really when he hits the hole, one cut and go type of a running back. Um, and so I think he'll be battling. You know, possibly be that that power back. Um, you know, if you're looking to get some power there uh, behind Ezekiel Elliott, that's going to be his job. And then Tony Pollard's going to be that guy who's going to be catching balls out of the backfield. Now, Michael Jackson, 6'1", 210 pounds, uh, press corner, good length for the cornerback position. Um, you know, Jackson ran a, a 4.45 at, at the combine, so pretty good speed as well. And uh, when you're looking at Michael Jackson... And what's interesting too is they also brought in Joe, ja- you know, uh, Joe Jackson, um, Dallas did, you know, brought in both of the Jacksons there, 
um, you know, out of Miami. But uh, Michael Jackson, um, four interceptions in his career, eleven pass breakups. Um, you know, and, and a guy who I think is is a savvy corner. Um, you know, has decent ball skills. You know, tracks the ball very well. Very good tackler as well. You know, he's physical, but he's he's tight in his hips, and that's really his biggest biggest issue. Uh, but he did have you know uh, three tackles for loss in each of the last two seasons, three and a half sacks as well. So a, a guy who I think can be physical for them. And I mentioned Joe Joe Jackson. So they're two fifth round picks, Michael Jackson, Joe Jackson, both out of the University of Miami. And, and Jackson, you know, he's got really good size. He's six four, two hundred seventy five pounds. I think he has uh, some stiffness. Um, in his hips, turning turning the, the corner and the edge. He's not the most explosive guy, but you know, he has the power to really create some of that separation from the uh, the offensive lineman. Uses his hands well, and uh, you know has some flashes um, with the short area burst. 35 and a half tackles for loss, 22 and a half sacks. Never had a season with less than and six and a half sacks on the year. Five pass breakups, five forced fumbles. I think you know when you're looking at at a guy like you know we, we talked about my, uh, Michael Jackson. They've got a lot of corners on this roster. You know you got Byron Jones, Jordan Lewis, uh, Chidobia Wuzie, uh, Anthony Brown. Um, so, you know, the question is going to be, you know, is Michael Jackson going to be that fifth cornerback? That's probably what it looks like. Joe Jackson, on the other hand, you got Demarcus Lawrence and, and Robert Quinn, who they picked up in the trade, and then Taco Charlton. So th- those are your three uh, defensive ends, and I think Joe Jackson really rounds out the depth there uh, in the rotation uh, at the defensive end position. So then you, you move on to the safety position, and you have Donovan, Donovan Wilson, Really surprised that they waited until the sixth round to get a safety. Six foot, 199 pounds. Uh, Donovan Wilson. Um, you know, I, I I don't see him being a starter. Um, you know, for um, for the Cowboys. You know, played at Texas A&M. Eight interceptions, and really, you know, it was as a sophomore where he had the five interceptions. Um, one of which was returned for a touchdown, three pass breakups, three forced fumbles, eight and a half tackles for loss. And we never really saw that production again. Um, you know, ultimately 21 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, seven total pass breakups, four forced fumbles. But a, a guy, you never really saw that same, like I said, that same um, type of output that you saw as a sophomore. Um, you know, so he has the flashes. But, uh, you know, he's someone I think he struggles, you know, with uh, with wrapping up on the back end, uh, which ultimately led to some some big plays, you know, heading in his direction. Um, and then in the seventh round, Jalen Jelks um, out of Oregon, 6'5", 256. Here's the thing with with Jelks, you know, he, he has excellent length, but uh, very average uh, top end speed. Um, you know, he's kind of an average edge rusher, um, you know. You want to try to get him playing in space a little bit more. I think he does a really good job utilizing his length to his advantage, being able to lock out, um, stack and shed a little uh, a little bit. But uh, you know, really as a junior, 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, seven pass breakups. You're waiting to see what he can do as a senior. Really taking that next level potentially as a first round pick. Um, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Production dropped quite a bit and. Um, you know, I, I think he's just, you know, he's a decent, decent athlete for a guy his size. But, you know, to me, I think there's some definite stiffness. Ran a 4.9240 at the at the combine. So, 
Um, you know, there's, there's definitely cause for concern there. You know, if he doesn't have the straight, straight line speed and he has some you know, some stiffness in his hips, you know, and some inability to really sink, um, you know, and play with, with a low pad level, then you're really going to struggle at the defensive end at the next level. I think he's going to struggle to, um, really struggle for playing time, you know, and I think that's going to be a concern for Dallas. And then the last team that we're going to go ahead and talk about here on this podcast is going to be the Denver Broncos. Now, Denver, I mentioned the fact that they ended up getting their quarterback in round number two. And, uh, you know, the reason why, you know, they took a quarterback in round two and not round one is they needed a tight end. They needed a tight end. You know, you have Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli, Jake Butt all on the roster, none of whom really, you know, say, you know what, this is going to be a, you know, a guy who's going to be a, a primary focus and you know we'll strike fear in, in teams you know up the up the seam. Now Noah Fan on the other hand ran a four five forty, and was just a freak at the combine. You know, and, and when you talk about Noah Fant, um, let's see, put up two twenty five twenty times decent decent strength, three uh, thirty nine and a half inch vertical leap. You know, and uh, you know really just a, a touchdown maker for Iowa. Um, you know, over a thousand yards receiving in his in his career. Um, you know, nineteen touchdowns, had eleven touchdowns as a sophomore, and then followed that up with another seven as a junior. Um, still, still, you know, he's a willing blocker, still developing there. But Joe Flacco, where does he go when he throws the football? He's looking for a tight end. He's always looking for tight ends, and so Noah Fant, that's going to make a whole lot of sense for them. Um, you know, what's interesting here too, Dallas, I'm sorry, Denver, their first second round pick wasn't used on the quarterback. It was actually used on Dalton Reisner, the tackle out of Kansas state. Now Dalton Reisner is one of my favorite, favorite players, uh, at the tackle position, a guy who, you know, he, he's not the best athlete ran over, you know, ran a five, two forty at the combine. Um, uh, not going to wow you there with the athleticism, but just, you know, is, um, a technician plays with a low pad level. And, you know, if there's any question, you know, a lot of people were talking about him possibly moving inside to guard, um, but put on the tape of, of the um, Kansas State, Mississippi State game, and you'll see Dalton Reiser more than hold his own against um, Montez Sweat. So here, here's the thing with Dalton Reiser. When you look at him, though, I'm talking about him, talking him up as a tackle, but Denver already has a right tackle. They have Juwan James and they have Garrett Bowles. Now you already know that you have Dalton Reisner who's hold, can hold up very well at right tackle, but you move him inside to guard, you know, and you're talking about Reisner, you know, he could even play center if you needed him to in a pinch. You've got Connor McGovern playing center right now for uh for the Broncos, but I think Dalton Reisner comes in and starts right away at right guard opposite Ronald Leary who's playing the left guard position and uh you know, he's somebody he doesn't have to necessarily worry about the speed rushers. And, uh, you know, when he squares guys up, you know, he, he, excellent leverage, natural knee bender, doesn't have to worry about some of that lack of athleticism. Um, but he is going to use a lot of the angles that he uses as a technician. And I think that's going to be a nice pickup there for the Denver Broncos. Which leads us to Drew Locke. You know, the, the 10th pick in the second round. How in the world did Drew Locke fall all the way here? But we know that this was John Elway's guy. This was a guy that John Elway had been scouting, went to Columbia to watch him play there at Mizzou. Um, I actually had Drew Locke, you know, coming off the board, number 15 overall to the Washington Redskins. Um, you know, but when I, when I talk about, or when you look at Drew Locke, um, you know, 
pretty good athlete, 46940, was a, a basketball recruit coming out of out of high school. Um, you know, was sacked 13 times, but seven of those were against three teams. You know, it was really against Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina. And yes, you know, when he was under pressure in those games, you know, he, he did struggle with some of the um decision making but his offensive line was overwhelmed against those uh, against those teams he really rebounded still ended up with a 62 and a half percent completion percentage despite the fact that he was under 50 percent in the majority of those games you know and, and really you know the thing with drew lock that i was waiting for he, we know he has a big arm can throw the ball all over the yard but you know he, I, I didn't really see a lot of touch passes and, you know, really he's put everything together, you know, better eye discipline to be able to freeze the safety, can take things off and, and really drop a ball in, um, you know, behind the linebacker in front of the safety with touch. I think that's really the big thing. You know, he's added a lot of touch to his game, can make throws on the run, um, you know, very intelligent player. And uh, to me, I think, you know, you can see that, that you know, he's going to be someone who can galvanize a locker room. And, uh, you know, Joe Flacco there, Joe Flacco, you know, ultimately he's going to be the be the starter there. But you know, um, in a couple of years, I think Drew Locke's going to end up being the guy. You know, there's no pressure on on Drew Locke having to be the starter right away. He can play behind Joe Flacco, and then when Flacco, you know, after a couple of years, you know, if it's time to move on from Flacco, then you have Drew Drew Locke waiting in the wings. Denver getting another one of my favorite players. At uh, you know, with a third round pick, and that's Draymond Jones. He's 6'3, 281. This is a guy who I think can be a, you know, I, I think ultimately he'd be a three technique, but I think he can play defensive end in, in a three man front. And that's really what Denver is going to be running. Uh, they'll run that, that 34 defense. I think he'll be a nice five technique. And really his game is all about speed. Um, you know, really that quickness off the ball uses his hands very well. You'll see a lot of club and rip, um, uses his arm over as well. Um, but, uh, this past season, 13 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. Um, you know, and a guy who, um, just shoots that gap with a very quick, uh, first step and you put him out there at, uh, at the five technique and, uh, you know, someone who I think is, you know, you play him ultimately opposite, um, Derek Wolf. You know, you've got Adam Gotsis, who's played well at at the end position, but I think Draymond Jones can find his way as a starter when it's all said and done. So, um, very pleased with Denver with those first uh, first four picks. They just had two other picks, and um, you know they end up getting Justin Hollins, an outside linebacker there out of Oregon. You have Bradley Chubb, you have Vaughn Miller at. Uh, at the linebacker position, but Justin Hollins is a guy, he's very an intriguing prospect because he can do a little bit of everything and, and did so for the Ducks. And really, he was the guy who I thought outplayed um, the guy who got more hype going into the season in, in Jalen Jelks. But but Justin Hollins, you know, his final season, 64 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, had an interception, six pass breakups, five forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. I mean, he filled up the stat sheets, and you kind of look at that, and that's kind of what he did year in and year out. Um, you know, he worked with the edge rushers, but I, I really look at him as kind of a linebacker, um, you know, uh, at heart. You know, bench press 225, you know, 25 times, um, you know, 36 and a half inch vertical leap. To me, he'll be that third linebacker there. Um, you know, he, you're not going to see Bradley Chubb and, and Von Miller take a ton of plays off, but I think Justin Hollins is the guy 
who can absolutely, um, you know, especially if, if ultimately they end up moving to, um, a four-man front on some passing situations. You move Bradley Chubb to end, you know, Wolf, um, either Derek Wolf or Adam Gotsis can end up kicking inside. And uh, ultimately, you can bring in Justin uh, Justin Hollins to play um, either strong, you know, probably strong side backer there with uh, either Josie Jewell or Todd uh, Todd Davis end up, you know, playing in the middle. So you can end up doing that if you decided you wanted to run with a four-man front. Um, you know, I could definitely see that happening. And then finally, uh, in, the, in round number six, Juwan Winfrey. Um, this was a, a Colorado pick, you know, keeping it in state. Um, you know what happened with, uh, you know, with, with Philip Lindsay, um, you know, a, a, a season ago, taking some of those, those, those uh, Colorado Buffaloes. You know, Juwan Winfrey, you know, flashed, uh, you know, a little bit in terms of some of the speed. 6'3", 215 pounds, good size. Um, in his two seasons with, with Colorado, though, you know, just played in 15 games, 49 receptions, um, you know, just over 600 yards and, and four touchdowns. Um, you know, a, a guy, you know, I'm surprised that, that they went with him in, in the sixth round, um, you know, especially when you've got a guy like Anthony Johnson that's sitting out there, um, you know, that was unclaimed in the draft. You know, you've got Cortland Sutton, you've got Emmanuel Sanders, um, you know, River Craycraft, Deshaun Hamilton, Chad Hansen, Tim Patrick. These are all, you know, receivers that are on the roster. Juwan Winfrey, even with, um, you know, that, that receiving core, which sounds, you know, somewhat underwhelming after you get past, you know, Sutton and Sanders. Um, you know, I, I think Juwan Winfrey is going to struggle to make the roster. I really do. So that one was kind of a questionable pick, but I really like the first five picks. I think it addressed a lot of needs up front. Um, you know, on, on the offensive line at tight end, they get their backup quarterback. Um, you know, Draymond Jones, um, you know, gives them good depth up front as does Justin Hollins, um, you know, there at, uh, at outside linebacker. So those are the, the first 10 teams that we've gotten through, uh, Arizona through Denver. Um, we'll go ahead and, and, uh, here in the next couple of days, put another mod, mock draft together. I'm sorry, not mock draft, but we'll we'll go ahead and take a look at the post draft edition. We'll put another podcast together there. We'll start with Detroit, work through their picks a little bit. You know, not not only T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, but we'll be talking about Jelani Tavai taken in the second round, a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, landed Amani Oruwariye in the fifth round, which was a nice nice pickup. Um, you know, we'll talk about P.J. Jones in the seventh round. I think he's a, a seventh rounder who might actually be able to stick on the roster. You know, we'll get to talk about Green Bay and, and their two first-round picks um, and, and what they did there you know, defensively, despite the fact that you have Matt LaFleur as an offensive head coach, uh, Houston and, and Titus, uh, Titus Howard uh, up front. Um, you know, Indy, you know, trading back into the second round, had three second-round picks. Um, you know, and uh, really being able to shore up some some need areas there. Jacksonville getting Josh Allen falling into their laps, still getting to take that tackle, Jawan Taylor, that they were looking at, and also got that tight end that they were also uh, lacking when they got Josh Oliver in the third round. So, um, you know, some teams that definitely made uh, did, did a good job in terms of upgrading at, at quite a few positions. Um, so we'll get through the next... 10 or so teams in the next podcast. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll be working on that here over the next day or two. We'll go ahead and get that release and out to you as well. 
Um, you know, this is the Ready for the Draft podcast post-draft edition. First episode of the post-draft edition. Hopefully you've enjoyed that so far. We're going to take a look at every single pick, talk about them, take a look at the roster, see where all these guys fit in. Um, and uh, we'll take things from there. So I hope everyone has a great week. And until next time, everyone, this is Greg Schutz for readyforthedraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am out of here. Take care, everyone.